What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Marin, with another episode of The Marin Ham Show. And today's guest, we have a legendary entertainment lawyer. She's been in the game for over 15 years, still doing her thing. It feels like she just started, and I don't think she has any plans to stop. Angela Rogers, founder of Rogers Law Group. How are you, Angela? I'm good, thank you. Thank good, you for good. having me on. Thank you, for, thank you for being a part of it. Now, for um, for those that aren't too familiar, who is Angela Rogers? Give us where you grew up and give us your start in the, in the entertainment industry as a lawyer. So um, I grew up as a military brat. I mm-hmm. um, my father was in the army, um, so I'm kind of from all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was born in Korea, lived in Germany, Texas, Alaska, Virginia. Um, I like to consider myself a New Yorker because I lived there for most of my adult life. Um, and I know people don't consider that to be yeah. where you're from, <laughs> but um, I do. Um, so, yeah, I, um, you know, have been practicing as an entertainment lawyer for about 17 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I started off at a firm in New York straight out of law school. Um, it was a firm that I interned for when I was in law school. Um, and then about eight years ago, I started my own firm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, I've been practicing on my own with my own office uh, for the last eight years. Yeah. And you started, did you start with James McMillan? I did. Mm -hmm. I started with James McMillan. Um, and I interned with him during, while I was in law school and, um, started working with him right after. So yeah, we were together for years. Yeah, he's a great guy. I'm actually uh, I'm looking forward to having him on as well. We've been talking. I've been talking to him for like a year and a half now. I'm trying to have him on as well. So it's one of those things. You mentioned Virginia as well, which is actually where I live. Oh, really? Where? Uh, the, the DMV area. So Northern Virginia, Loudoun County area. Where is that? That's like Northern Virginia, the DMV area. So it's like 20 minutes from D.C., 30 minutes from D.C. So like right next to Dulles Airport, Dulles International. Oh, OK. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. yeah so it's like, I, um, um. Yes, I went to I went to high school in Prince George, Virginia, mm. um, which is like by Richmond, and then I went to undergrad at Hampton. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you weren't so you were like four hours away from me then. If you come, when it comes to like uh, Richmond, is like three and a half hours from. Yeah, and from then I went to law school in Baltimore, so I uh, I feel like I'm a little bit from the DMV area too. Um. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, because that's my first initial thoughts were like, because you're also related to Amory, right? Yes. So, so she, it's funny. So we, you know, I claim New York as far as where I feel like, right. Like I'm a New Yorker um, and she always claims DC, but you know, the same thing, like because we were military brats, you kind of, I think just end up claiming up until I moved to New York right out of law school, I would say I was from Virginia. So for her, she always said she was from DC mm-hmm. um, because when we moved to Virginia, she just graduated high school and she went to college in DC and yeah. I was, so it was, it was like, that's kind of where she felt like it was home. Cause she lived there a couple of years after mm-hmm. college as well. Um, but yeah, she's everyone that used to think that I was from DC as well. Yeah. Because some people say that wherever you went to high school, that's mm-hmm. basically where you're from. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, cool. So I guess I'm a DMV guy. Uh, even though I've been in America for like 22, 23 years now, cause I'm originally from Europe. I'm, I'm Albanian. So I've been here for like 23 years on and off Virginia, LA, New York. So as a photographer, so I don't know. I'm definitely a Virginia guy though, for sure. Yeah. I've been most, so 
Uh, so growing up, uh, obviously you were a military brat, so you kind of just traveled all over the place. What inspired you growing up, whether it was people, entertainment, what inspired you growing up? Um, so I definitely didn't grow up thinking I would be a lawyer mm -hmm. and did not grow up thinking I would be in entertainment. However, when I look back on what inspired me, I would say it would be my love for the two. And when I say entertainment, I would say more so television. Like I, not that I wanted to be in the entertainment business just because, um, like growing up as military brides, you're never even, you, we never really lived even like near a large city. Right. Mm -hmm. So the entertainment business was very, very far removed, mm -hmm. but, um, I used to watch a lot of TV. And when I say TV was very inspiring, um, it was just like, you know what I mean? Like you can watch, you know, so many, you know, we watch a lot of content about like different places and different things and different people. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, I would be really addicted to like legal shows. Like judge Judy was <laughs> one of my favorite shows. I mean, law and order, even at a young age, I was watching law and order. Um, mm -hmm. but I always had a love for these types of shows. Right. Mm -hmm. But again, never thought that, um, I would be an attorney until I went to college. But um, yeah, I would say like I always had a passion for law and I always had a passion for entertainment in the sense of um, said so I'm just, you know, some people are like, oh, I, I barely watch TV. I will admit I watch a lot of TV. Like <laughs> when I unwind from my day, I watch TV. I, I sleep with the TV on. Mm -hmm. uh, in my home, I have a TV in every room, like in the kitchen. Like I'm just a very big, like I love like. <laughs> television yeah, yeah. there's so much on there I'm like I'm always I always get inspired and mm. you know I also really love music that's always been a big passion right. too I always feel like you know music is is always inspiring whether you are in a down place or in a um you know great place like your spiritual place wherever it is it's like you know music is always something that can kind of really speak to your soul. Mm -hmm. So that's always been inspiring. Um so when I look at the things that inspire me the most it would probably be those. And you, so you're totally like surrounded by sound, even at your, cause you said you had TV all over the place in your house. So you're like surrounded by sound. Yes. I need, yes. I, um, yeah, I'm just, I don't, I don't like a lot of quiet, um, mm -hmm. time. Yeah. I like yeah. a lot of, like, I need to just, I don't know what it is. I just like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and besides, <laughs> besides Judge Judy, you probably watched Judge Mathis as well. I'm assuming. Right? I love Judge Mathis. Yes. Yeah, he was Judge Judy's my favorite, but Judge Mathis is second for sure. Yeah. Definitely one of those. Uh -huh. What are, what are some like TV shows you watch nowadays? What are you interested in? Like nowadays? Oh, you know what? Um, like it's hard because now I'm just used to st stuff being in the background. When I tell you, I watch a lot of TV. Um, there's just so much out there. I can feel sometimes I feel like it's a lot to kind of sift through, you know, and mm -hmm. where like you can look on Netflix for an hour and then find something and watch and you fall asleep. I'm one of those people. Mm -hmm. Um, so I watch a lot of old stuff. Like I watch Martin a lot. I watch, mm -hmm. um, some of the, some of the shows like on, uh, what is it on Netflix, like Ozark, Narcos, right. um, you know, I just got into the crown. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm kind of like all over with what I like, but right, yeah. it's hard for me to keep up with everything. Like a lot of, I mean, there's just so much out there with all the different, you know, TV streaming platforms. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot, but sometimes yeah. mindless reality TV is helpful because, um, you don't have to pay attention, you know? True. True. Yeah. And so like, yeah. For, for yeah, that's so true. That is so true. You made a good point there. 
for me, I just like literally spent like my whole Christmas time start. I started watching because uh, I have HBO Max and I'm addicted to HBO Max. But HBO Max has like Martin. It has those types of shows as well. But Hulu literally has all of the old school like '90s sitcoms. Like I just finished watching. Oh, do they? Yeah, they had like they have like Bernie Mac show. The, yeah, they have Bernie Mac show. They have um, My Wife and Kids. They have uh, Moesha. So all of these different like like because I'm a big I'm a big hip hop head. So when I first you came, know to show America, was good on. You know what show was really good on Hulu is um, Wu Tang. I need. It's to an see old that. show, but it it's so good. It's 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 new. You know what I mean? I think they're like two seasons in already. Yeah. When I tell you that show is so well written and so well um, played. Like the characters are amazing. The writing is amazing. The costumes are amazing i mean the it's just all around like a really good show but um yeah i should look into it because i didn't realize so many of the old shows were on there because oh, i watch no, martin yeah. mostly every night before bed but it's just on bet <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean i mean it's like martin is on hbo max it's definitely on oh, there they oh, just no. they just added it on there and then but hulu is like I mean, they nail the 90s to early 2000s shows. It's like, not know that. Yeah, they nail. I was shocked because it was like, I was chilling and I was like, wait, let me start watching my wife and kids. Cause I'm really, I'm good friends with Parker McKenna, who plays the little oh, girl. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm really good friends with her. So I was like, you know what? Let me just start watching this show. Like, let me see. And I got into it. And I, you know how they do the recommended because you watch this TV show, they recommend you like, uh-huh. and it just went like Bernie Mac show. And like, uh, it was just Moesha. And I was like, holy crap. I haven't seen Moesha since like the UPN days. Yeah, and same. So I, I started binge watching all of that. So I'm like in the 90s high right now or like 90s to <laughs> early. Th- I'm, I'm in that high right now. And it's, so it's definitely check Hulu out for those particular because it's, it nails. I it. And then HBO yeah, is just, HBO Max is like, same thing. They're starting to grab from whatever Netflix had before. They're starting to grab it and they're starting to hone into it. Mm. Um, but now, uh, now as a lawyer, what is the difference between protecting a brand versus an artist? I mean, I think that you know, protect. It, it, it's kind of they're connected, right? Like mm-hmm. protecting an artist more so goes with. Um, like for me, I'm I'm a transactional entertainment attorney, right? Because you right. have some entertainment attorneys that may do litigation. So I'm all on paper. Um, everything dealing with, you know, contracts, negotiations, um, you know, the different types of agreements that artists enters into, like that's where I come in, like protecting the artists, the mm-hmm. rights that they have, the rights that they're giving away, um, you know, how long their contracts are, uh, you know, all of that is what I do. Uh, their intellectual property. And I think with protecting a brand, I I mean, all of it kind of comes together because again, like it ends up being connected in a sense of the things that they do and the deals that they enter into are connected to their brand. And it's also what I do. But I think sometimes like more so protecting the brand comes under like the management uh, PR role than the legal role. Um, because for me, I definitely will advise my clients on what to and not to do, like deal wise or just the way that they're moving or, you know, they should, when they should release a record or an album or just do a single, things like that. Like I'll definitely drop, you know, two cents in there and just give my opinion on it. But really, you know, as a lawyer, you give your advice, but I work for the client, right? I work for the artist. So they make the decision at the end of the day on what they do and don't want to do. Um, so it's really up to them, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so for example, what what's a first right ref- of refusal, and should an artist avoid avoid it? 
Um, it depends in what capacity. So if, if they should avoid it. What a first right of refusal is, is that if you're doing some type of deal, mm-hmm. usually with the opposing side, they will say, we, you have to give us the first right, right? right to refuse right. something. So let's say that like you are doing a deal for a label, like you are an artist and you have a record label that you want to sign some artists to. If you're going to get in business with that label, they may say, well, every artist you want to sign, you before you take it to another label, you have to give us the first right to do it. Or let's say that it says like, okay, as an artist, in the event you want to enter into a publishing deal, um, you know, before you tell up, before you start shopping, you know, your publishing rights to a company that's not affiliated with us, you have to first give us the opportunity mm-hmm. to negotiate good faith and then we can refuse it. So it comes in a lot of different agreements. So first of all, refu- refusal is just that, like giving someone the right to refuse it first. Um, and it's not that they should avoid it, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. But if you can not have it in your deal, it's better because you don't have the contractual obligation to give someone any type of right to go to them first, right? Or mm-hmm. tell them yes or no. Um, but like I said, depending upon what type of deal it is, it doesn't necessarily have to be a negative for an artist. Mm-hmm. And now with the streaming era being being in place as well, like the CD era is pretty much dead. It's been dead for a, quite a while. Has there mm-hmm. any has there been any like has there been any major changes, or is this same rules kind of apply? No, I mean streaming is just completely different. I think mm-hmm. that like even now with streaming, in a couple of years we'll have something else. I mean it'll just be streaming that has like a different variation of how we stream music. Um, and I think just with new technology and, um, you know, consumers, they kind of dictate on what's next. You know, I think that when we first went from C, you know, records, it was that records, right. we listened to everything on records. Then the CD came along, you know, and then it was right. like, you know, CDs and tapes. And then, you know, uh, even before CDs and tapes, then we got, you know, like the iPod came out and, you know, that was the way we listened to music and everyone wanted, you know, to just basically buy stuff from the Apple store, but no one wanted CDs anymore. Um, and then, you know, the streaming. So I think things are going to change. Um, but right now we're in the streaming space, but yes, it's very different in streaming and how that works versus just, you know, like a record sale and how, um, that is used. But again, I'm, I'm, I definitely think that in a couple of years, like we are going like, streaming music on DSPs will be, you know, old as well. And no one's yeah. going to stream yeah. on DSPs. It's going to be something else. So, mm-hmm. And there's also like mechanical royalties and performance and sync royalties. Can you expound a little bit on the differences between all three for those that are, like, aren't too familiar? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to do it very, very loosely because mm-hmm. I always tell people the area of publishing is very hard. Like I, if I really was going to expound on it, it would be like a five hour <laughs> like yeah. session. And also you, it would not like, you wouldn't even get it all there. Right. Um, you know what I mean, so just like kind of loosely touching on it, publishing is probably one of the most complex areas in music. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't get how it works and things are also changing now too, especially with, um, technology and what's happening, you know, digitally. So things are going to change, but you have people that work at publishing companies that don't get it. Um, you know, especially if they're on the creative side, but like sync royalties are more so, um, for when music is synced out means like a synchronization license is issued. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyone who writes 
music, whether you're a producer, you're still considered a writer. If you're an artist and you actually wrote a hook or a verse or sentence, you're a writer. Um, So for writers, I just use that word to include anyone who is either writing words or producing music as far Mm -hmm. as melody. Um, Well, not melody, but a track. Right. So you own your publishing unless you do some type of buyout. So if you have a if you are a uh, artist and you write a song with a producer, you own 50%. The other producer owns 50%. Right. So even if you're signed to a record label, or even if you're a producer and you do a work for hire agreement with a artist, you still, even though you may give them rights to the master, you're not giving them rights to your intellectual property, your copyright. So you still own your publishing regardless. Mm-hmm. So when you do synchronization licenses on publishing, you do you'll get paid based on the ownership you have in the record, like your publishing split. And then there's also the master sync license, which Mm -hmm. is like for the ownership of the master. So that's like synchronization licenses when you're basically letting someone use your music um, pursuant to some type of license, Mm -hmm. Um, like to be in a film, to be in a television show. um, That's where synchronization comes in, sync licensing Mm -hmm. comes in. Mm -hmm. So for performance royalties, that is like, Radio play, I mean, people still say jukeboxes, but right. PR stuff is publishing, but it's not in the same sense of like what you would get from a publishing company is basically for radio play. So there are like PRO companies that will collect your monies for PRO monies, which is like ASCAP, BMI, um, SOCAN. So what that does is when your stuff is played, let's say on the radio, radio stations basically will issue out like a blanket license, right? So it's calculated on like a blanket license. And then the PRO will go out and collect the money and that money is then put into your account. And it's based again on your publishing, so like how much you own. But it's still very different from like your copyright publishing. I try to simplify it a little bit, but whenever right. I I try to be very short and concise with it. It's just, it's such a complex area. It's very yeah. hard to like kind of get into mm-hmm. what it is. And it's, 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 it's always a question whenever I speak on a panel, I hate this question. Cause it's like, it's like, it's so, it's like, you can say like three things, but there's five other things that could come up, which yes. would make, not make sense. So yeah. I kind of should have said that before I started answering the question, but I did, I feel like I gave a general overview of mm-hmm. what PRO is, what sync licensing is, when it comes to publishing monies. But right. again, you're publishing monies that are like mechanicals, same thing. There's like a penny rate. Whenever you're assigned to a record label or you're a producer, you did a record that a record the artist exploits on an album, it's subject to a penny rate because at the end of the day, every sale of that song, the record label doesn't own the publishing. They just own the rights to the album, right? So they still have to pay a mechanical license, which is, you know, a statutory rate by the government that says like, if I use your words on this record, I still have to pay you because you're giving the record label a license for your publishing because they're not, they don't own your publishing. So they basically have to pay to use it every time it's exploited. And that's what mechanical royalties are, which are very different from other royalties. But um, it is a statutory rate that's given and it's different from, let's say like what PRO monies when there's like a license that's negotiated Mm -hmm. with PRO societies. So PRO is pretty much like an ASCAP and mechanical would be something like a tune core. 
No. So a mechanical is just basically like, so let's say that you have a record now, like um, uh, SZA released a record. What's the record she just released? I feel like a lot of people liked it recently. Shirt? I think it was shirt. Okay, maybe let's say shirt. Let's just say shirt. Mm-hmm. She signed to RCA. Right. So RCA will pay mechanical royalties to her when, in connection with her album because she owns what she wrote on that record, right? So that's one stream, one avenue that she'll receive monies on the mechanical royalties. Mechanical royalties will get paid from her label for that. Then the song is played on the radio, right? And on some award shows. Mm-hmm. Award shows. The, the, the ASCAP or the you know, PRO, mm-hmm. well, they'll pay out royalties based on her ownership in the song, but it's more so subject to a blanket license that was issued out, which um, are like different. Okay. Oh, I say it's like very like, because people ask me, like, oh, do you have a publishing deal or admin deal? They're like, yeah, I'm with ASCAP. And I'm like, that's not what that is. Yeah. You're still claiming you're publishing in it, but it's not like a publisher. And then you have a, a publisher who will actually then collect everything on your behalf, including mechanicals from the record label, including a portion of your PRO. So it's different. Okay. okay. But again, it's a complex area. It's very difficult to get into. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was like, let me maybe I should ask this question because the, the like you said, you can go on for hours with it's this like, kind yeah, of Yeah, and it's never like a yeah, it's not like a it's very hard to <laughs> kind of I can just give you a very like a very general, general like yeah. one or two sentence about it, but that's really not that really doesn't explain what it is. It's, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like there's still so much more to it. Mm-hmm. Now in the industries, there's also obviously uh, ghostwriters as well. For someone who's a ghostwriter, how should the contract be written? If someone is a ghostwriter, yeah, if someone is a ghostwriter, because obviously some sometimes they have a difficulty getting their royalties getting there. How how should the contract be written? Well, if they're a ghostwriter, then this, there's nothing really to. I mean, you're really just basically saying that you're not getting any thing in the record other like any credit you're just getting and you're just getting either like a publishing interest which they may give you but mm-hmm. sometimes people don't like giving ghostwriters publishing interest because then their names are listed and they don't want anyone to know about it mm-hmm. but if they have a publishing list interest then their name will be listed even if like a sample is used later but ghostwriters usually get paid like a flat fee and it's like a buyout you know what i mean like i'll give you x amount of money and you just write for me and what you get is this fee you're not going to get your mm-hmm royalties from it because again like you're usually doing a buyout where you're not getting any publishing money so if you don't have any publishing in a record you're not going to get any royalties but you know again like someone may say okay just my ghostwriter write you know my music but i'll give you like 10 percent on every song i mean then you just have to make sure that you're claiming your publishing yeah because there's also like produce go ahead sorry i don't come with a lot of ghostwriters um i don't have i don't deal with a lot of ghostwriting though Right. Okay. Okay. Because there's also producers. Like I remember when I used to make music. I used to produce music. I remember one guy was like, "Hey, so would you like me to play it to give you a flat fee for this song and call it a day, or would you want points on this song, which would be the royalties and all of that jazz?" So there's definitely like that certain aspect of maybe the song won't blow up, so maybe I'll just grab the money now. Well, see, that's not ghostwriting. That's just you just agree to a buyout. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 That's like a different. Yeah. But I'm yeah, saying ghostwriting like, is like that whole Drake, Quentin Miller thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or you know, like even I mean, even like Cardi B, like she has ghostwriters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, there's still she's still giving them publishing. She just takes a piece. But right, I don't yeah. think she's like she's broadcasting that she's gonna write her own music. But right, yeah. you, you know, 
you know, and, and I'm not even saying she doesn't write any of it, but like there are a lot of writers that are involved and they get their publishing. So she may be very fair, like, well, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'll give them most of the record. I'll just take a small piece. Mm-hmm. But um, just like a straight ghostwriter is like kind of like when you have someone writing your lyrics and you're not doing right. it. But right. like I said, it's very different. I should say it's different, but like doing a buyout is a different, like sometimes I even tell my clients to do a buyout with someone on the production side if they're not trying to pay out a royalty. But it doesn't mean they're ghostwriting. My client may still give them a producer credit. Producer but credit, yeah. Yeah, they're just not, they, they want to not have to pay mm-hmm. publishing monies, not have to do anything else, but they just may want to buy a track outright. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now um, you continue to expand your 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 practice in representing new cli- uh, new diverse clients, such as like fashion bloggers, YouTubers, and tech startups. By continuing to expand your career, what's something that you have learned that you still apply today? Um, that you just have to keep you know your ear to what's happening because things are changing, you know, mm-hmm. and they change pretty often. Um, and you know, like especially like with everything that's happening with technology and new technology. Um, you know, you have to constantly like, you know, I, I, I read a lot of publications like, you know, Variety or Billboard, um, you know, the Hollywood Reporter, just trying to see what's out there, what deals are happening, what, 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 what people, um, what new, you know, what the, the new things people are doing with their business models. Um, but, you know, you kind of have to like be aware of what's going on because you get clients even that they, you know. They're like, well, what about this? And what about that? You know, you don't want to be in a situation where you're like, oh, we can't do that kind of deal. And they're like, well, Bad Bunny did it. Um, So, you know, you got to constantly stay in the know of what's happening because um, in the entertainment space, things change a lot because a lot of it is founded and based around technology. So... Now, outside of everything you do, obviously we mentioned that you 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 watch a lot of TV. But what are some other hobbies you're into? Um, I don't really have a lot of other hobbies to be honest. I feel like I work so much, right? That, um, like I said, TV is my like Downtown. hobby that I'm like I can just relax. Like you just kind of veg out and be like, I don't feel like dealing with anything. So mm-hmm. I mean, other than I love spending time with my family, um, yeah. I mean, I'm not like a big like. I mean, I work out regularly, so it's like right. that's actually like a release. But I don't I'm not like into pottery or I don't play tennis or anything like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I spend most of my time working, and then you know, spending time with family, and you know, like I said, working out is a big part of my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So I do enjoy that. I could say that's probably like probably. a hobby because I do enjoy I do enjoy being very active. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, if your life had a soundtrack, which three tracks would you pick? If I had, a, if I, oh. If your life had a soundtrack, which three tracks would you pick? Um, I feel like I, oh, damn. <laughs> I feel like, I always say Biggie, uh, mm-hmm. the Juicy record, just because that record always puts me in a great mood. Like it's very, to me, it's very um, uplifting. and. It just like it just puts me in a good mood. So I mean, that is part of my life. I strive to always, you know, get in a positive headspace. Mm-hmm. Um, another would be, I don't know. You know what? I'm kind of all over with my music. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm like, like it kind of depends on what like what you're going through life and your mood, pretty much. Yeah, it's like my my music, like literally, it's all over the place. Like from you know, like trap 
to R&B, to 90s R&B, to, mm-hmm. you know, like music from the 60s. I mean, Marvin Gaye. I mean, I can just be all over the place with my music. Right. I, mean, right. I could listen to that and listen to like, you know, Britney Spears and then turn on like, <laughs> you know, Young Dolph. Like, it's just, I'm so all over <laughs> with my music. Um, so it kind of just depends, but like Juicy's always one that I always say, like, it's just like one of my favorite songs. It always puts me in a good mood. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I'm like looking for track wise. It's hard. Like I can say albums that I love, like yeah, go, let's go with, let's go with albums. Okay. Well, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is one of my favorite albums. Mm-hmm. Um, Kanye, who's not one of my favorite artists, but it is one of my favorite albums. And at the time he was one of my favorite artists, Mm -hmm. but I really have always loved that album. It's one of my favorites. Um, Drake, take care. Mm -hmm. Another one of my favorite albums. Um, And then I would say another classic album. Maybe something from the sixties, like you mentioned. I was going to say, no, I was going to say Wayne's exhale, the soundtrack. Like, I just love that. Album. Oh, nice. it okay. like every two or three weeks. Um, that's actually one of my favorite albums. It's just old school, but I'm like, yeah, that's one of my favorites. Mm. And I, used to, I like used to listen to soundtracks so much and now they don't make them as much anymore, but yeah. yeah they they kind of down, down a little bit. I don't know when the last good real soundtrack was. Cause it's, yeah, now they just make like Fast and Furious soundtracks. Like, I, yeah, I yeah, yeah, it's just like, yeah, nah, yeah. Uh, what's the best overall advice you have for someone entering the realm like you did? Um, I would say you have to really like the best advice. I would say like really love what you do. When you become an adult, you realize that most of your day is spent working. So most of your life is spent working. Mm-hmm. Um, so when people say you have to really love what you do, I think that's really important. Um, you know, everyone's like, oh, if you work, so if you do something you love, you never have to work a day in your life. I don't believe in that because it's still work. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you're, not gonna, you're not always gonna like it because there's not one career I think that someone just enjoys every aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just not, you know what I mean? Um, realistic, but I really do feel like you should enjoy what you do just because so much of your time is spent in your career and your job. Um, you know, so no matter if it's, you know, something that people consider quote to be respectable or, you know, what successful looks like now, you know, like not using that type of criteria, but just really enjoying what you do, I think is important because I also think when you love, when you enjoy what you do and you found a way to like make money off of it or make a career out of it, it's easier for you to figure things out, like even how to get started, you know? Um, and that was a thing for me. I tell the story all the time. When I started working at this law firm in New York out of law school, I had a job with another firm and, um, I took the bar exam and I called the lawyer after and I was like, Hey, I'm ready to start. You know, like what day should I come in? And, you know, like, can we talk about, you know, like the specifics of my role, all this stuff. And he's like, Oh, we can't hire you anymore. (laughs) because things have changed in their office. So I didn't have a job for about two months. And I remember my mom was like, you know, don't worry about it. You have to work for the rest of your life. <laughs> like, just enjoy the time you have off now. But for me, I was, you know, just like, oh, no, like I'm ready to work. I'm ready to start yeah. going. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to the firm that I interned for in um, while I was in law school and he had just hired a lawyer that came out of law school. So they didn't have the resources to pay me. Mm -hmm. 
But I was like, look, can I just come in the office and work while I look for a job? And then you can, you know, I was telling the lawyer like, oh, then maybe you can help me like connecting with other lawyers or firms so I can like kind of take meetings. So I wasn't kind of looking for a job cold. I could kind of say I had some experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And I worked for very, 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 very little money. I mean, a couple of hundred dollars a week. And this was in New York. Mm -hmm. And, you know, thank God I was living with my sister. So I didn't really have any bills. So I was able to do that um, for like a year or two. And then it was like a year. And after a year, there was a lawyer that ended up leaving. So I ended up getting a job like full time with them. But when I say that story, I always tell people I got a couple hundred dollars a week and a monthly subway card, right? Yes. So subway like to ride the train, right? Not like Mm -hmm. subway sandwich. But (laughs) (laughs) honestly, because I I, I wish I would have got that too. That would have been very helpful. Right. (laughs) um, It was, yeah, a monthly subway card. So I would ride the train for free. But had I not really loved what I was doing, I probably wouldn't have done it. Right. But I knew that the importance of me finding joy in my daily work life was going to be very important to me. So, you know, and I'm not saying that like you kind of have to always pay your dues in a way that like you don't make any money and you have to struggle. I mean, if you don't, if that's not presented to you, then great. But for me, I think that like if I really didn't love what I was doing, I wouldn't have, you know, taken the the risk to say, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to basically make, you know, peanuts to something that I love, but I also knew that like, it was just a stepping stone to get to where I was going to go. Um, so I just think, you know, that's really important that you really love what you do, um, or love what you're going to do to even Mm -hmm. get you started. So, Mm -hmm. and I'm making a couple hundred dollars in New York is just not, not feasible enough. No, I mean, you know, yeah, I was like, I said, again, for me, I was very blessed that I had a support family. Mm -hmm. Um, so I lived with my sister. I didn't have any bills. Um, my parents had got me like a car when I, uh, was in law school, so I didn't have to worry about that. Like I, I was very blessed right, and my, yeah. you know, I didn't come from like a rich um, upbringing, you know, my dad was in the military, so we were very just, you know, middle-class, but it, they, they were very supportive of me mm-hmm. in moving to New York and wanting to do what I did with all the debt that I had, <laughs> but they yeah. were like, you know, like whatever you need, like we were going to, you know, they were going right. to do you know, I, I realized that a lot of people aren't blessed to be able to right, like right. own family. Um, but you know, thank God I was, so I didn't have mm-hmm. to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. So very, very fortunate and blessed for yeah, for sure. And then you, you again, because your parents and your family saw that you had a goal in mind and you were actually ready to pursue it. So it's like we need to help this girl out because she's four four. Um, now towards the end of the podcast, I have these 10 rapid questions that require one worded answers. And, uh, the first question is, what is your favorite word? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what is your least favorite word? No. <laughs> uh, what turns you on in life? Um, love. Mm-hmm. What turns you off in life? Hate. What sound or noise do you love? The sound of the lawnmower. Love the lawnmower. The the sound of a lawnmower and birds chirping. That combination together is like very peaceful to me. Mm, Okay. Uh, What sound or noise do you hate? The battery dying in the house alarm. 
and the smoke was it the smoke alarm the fire the smoke, alarm the smoke detector okay yeah. okay oh okay okay so when you're sleeping then that goes off you're just like ugh. yes uh, <laughs> what is your favorite curse word <sighs> mm. i don't know i actually surprisingly have a, a very like i have a the mouth of a sailor. So I like them all, to be honest. I'm not, it's like, my mom's like, that's not ladylike. But I was like, I can't help it. I'm so used to just cursing. Yeah. I, don't have a, I, don't, I don't discriminate. All the curse words work for me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, and then obviously living in New York, that probably even helped a lot because a lot of New Yorkers, they love to curse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Um... I don't have one. You know what I mean? I really don't at this point. I think, you know, I'm at a a certain place in my career and age. I don't don't know if I, uh, thinking about what else I would like to do, like something else I'll be interested in. Mm -hmm. um, It seemed very draining. (laughs) I've I've been asked this before Mm -hmm. and I don't know if I would have something else I would like to pursue because I'm just like that. Just, I know how, I know how much work and, um, energy it took to get here so when mm-hmm. i look at being successful in some other type of field i'm just like do i have no. the energy for that? <laughs> uh what profession would you not like to attempt being a lawyer in court like someone who like a trial attorney trial attorney because mm. you probably see it in tv shows and you probably see it in life as well it's like yeah i'm good where i'm at um and the last one is if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you arrive at the pearly gates Welcome. Mm-hmm. Any last words you'd like to give to the people? Any shout outs? And where can they follow you on the social? Uh, um, no, I'm just, you know, glad that, um, you know, I always, I'm glad that I can, you know, be on your show and share a little bit of info that I may have. Um, you know, for me, I always hope that maybe it's not even the knowledge that I give someone, but, you know, just the, you know, inspiration or aspiration that someone can, you know, just follow their dreams and, you know, just do what they want to do, um, especially for, you know, people of color, um, just being in a space where there's not many of us, I always feel like is really important. So I always try to be inspiring um, in this space. Um, and on, you know, for socials, I am Angela MR80. Angela is like Mr. 80. I didn't realize that. It was just my initials. <laughs> but Angela MR80 um, is my IG. And that's what I use for the most part. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, guys. This is another episode of the Mar and Ham Show featuring Angela Rogers. Peace.